Good afternoon. Well, for two years, I, I had a backup shirt on Sundays, just in case I ever spilled anything, and I never needed it. And then today, I'm out there talking last service with someone, and um, I have a coffee, and I, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I just threw it up in the air, and it spilled all over me, and it was burning hot. And I was like, ah, screaming, and I was like, oh, this is a good chance for me to use my backup shirt. Well, I head over to the closet where it was hanging up this morning. It was hanging this morning, and somebody had taken it and wrapped it up and squished it all together and pushed it into a little cubby, so it was all full of wrinkles, and I couldn't use it. And that somebody is the worship pastor, Aaron Crane. Now, he's going to tell you there's a reason that I teased him, that I bothered him about something, and you have to choose who you're going to believe. But, uh, boy, that was a costly decision I made this morning when I did tease Aaron, because, but it dried quickly, so I'm okay. After this service, I'll be heading to Mexico with our missions team, spending the week down there, so keep us in prayer. We'll bring back some photos and stories for you, but we're thankful for the generosity of this church so we can go build that home for the, the single mother that's down there in need of it, and so that'll be happening this week. We're in the, gospel, uh, the Glory of God series. Last time we were in the Gospel of John, we were in chapter 9, and we saw Jesus healed a man that was born blind, something we have no record of before Jesus doing that in the Scriptures. It was impossible, people thought. But it was prophesied that the Messiah would open the eyes of the blind. And so it furthered the claim of Jesus that he is God, he is the Messiah. In John chapter 10, Jesus is continuing to speak to the Pharisees. And he's going to contrast himself with them by declaring that he is the good shepherd. And they're bad shepherds right? By, by, by implication, they are not good like he is. And so we don't have shepherding as a common job here in, in this valley. Some people may have a goat or a sheep or something like that, but it's not super common. But we know what a shepherd is. They tend to the flock. They feed the flock. They lead it to a safe pasture to still waters, right? They protect the flock and so that this flock can grow and, and flourish. And so by application, as you think of all the things a shepherd does, it's highly influential, someone who's leading you, helping you make decisions, you know, feeding you, guiding you in these times. And so today we're going to be talking about those that are influential. Last week, Time Magazine came out with the 100 most influential people in 2022. I just missed the cutoff, so don't look for me in the magazine. I won't be in this year's edition, but it was interesting reading through the magazine and looking at who is considered to be influential because at some point you realize, they've got categories of art, innovation, tech, all these different things. But at some point you realize influential doesn't mean good. And they don't hide that. Because in, in this edition of the magazine, they have the leader of Ukraine, Zelensky, and right next to him, the leader of Russia, Putin. And you're like, wait a second, he doesn't belong. Well, actually, yeah, he's, he's influential. He's been influential. And so we learned that not all influential people are good. We might not be being influenced in a good direction. And we've got to look at that as we compare. And today we're going to be challenged to identify and flee bad shepherds, these influences that are guiding us away from the abundant life that Jesus has for us. We need to flee from those so we can follow Jesus and receive the abundant life that he's leading us towards. But before we jump into John chapter 10 to talk about the good shepherd, we're going to look at a portion of Ezekiel 34. In Ezekiel 34, we have God being upset at bad shepherds. 
Israel's in exile, but God still had appointed leaders to, to guide them in this time of exile, and they were bad shepherds, and God himself comes against them. So we have to think, what influences us? Who influences us? As we're making our decisions, as we're crafting our worldview, who are the most influential people in our lives? In Ezekiel 34, if we discover that we've got some bad shepherds in our lives as well, here's three reasons why we should flee them. We see it in verse 2 of Ezekiel 34 where it says, The sovereign Lord says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? We see these, these shepherds are using the people, abusing the people, and confusing them. Here, they're, they're taking care of themselves, and the flock is withering. They're struggling. They're using the, the resources that should be for the people for their own benefit instead of blessing the flock. In verse 4, we see that the people are abused. It says, you have not strengthened the weak, nor healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. Not only are the shepherds using them for their own dishonest gain, but they're being harsh and cruel to abuse the people of God. They're already in exile. They're already being punished by God because of their disobedience to follow after false gods. But God loved them and was forgiving them and was going to bring them back and provided these leaders for them who were now being corrupt. And finally, they'll confuse you. In verse 5, it says, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. Because there was no leader there guiding them during the time of the exile, they were just all over the place, easily picked off by the enemy instead of unified as the people of God. God is really discouraged by this. God is upset about this. And so we see God judge these bad shepherds. In verse 10, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. God judges these leaders. They're, they're removed, they're judged because of them not supporting the flock that God has put them over. We're thinking about people who are influential. We're using this word shepherd. You have to see the correlation that sometimes in scriptures, a pastor is considered a shepherd. And unfortunately, last week in the news, there was a denominational report that came out. A few years ago, some, some churches felt like something was weird, and they had heard rumors of sexual abuse reports being mishandled, and so they called for an investigation. Well, that report came out last week and was so discouraging to see that the upper leadership in this denomination disregarded and ignored these sexual abuse reports instead of investigating them. They were focused more on the legal liability side of it instead of protecting the flock when a pastor or a shepherd goes astray. And so as I read Ezekiel 34, I just think of, of the judgment of God. And it happened in some form already because there was this database of everyone's name and accusation that they ended up releasing and making public. And there were lots of resignations last week because people were not treating these things seriously. Think about the anger of God when he gives his body a church to take care of them, and then there's this kind of abuse even within the church. And so it, it's unfortunate, and it makes us think, man, is, is God good if his shepherds can be bad? But we are going to see a picture of Jesus so beautiful today, so amazing, 
that we realize Jesus is not to blame. In fact, God is judging these shepherds. The scriptures are clear. Be sure your sin will find you out. And that's, that's been happening. Jesus contrasts bad shepherds with himself in a, in a succinct statement in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full have abundant life. That's what the Lord's plan is for each of us. And so in John chapter 10, we see six reasons here that we should follow the good shepherd because it's not always easy to say no to those other influences in our life that are guiding us away from God and causing us to to think about destructive patterns in our lives. It's not always easy to do that. And so what are the reasons why we should be following this shepherd, Jesus? Well, the first we see in verse 2 says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The, sh- the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So the picture is of a shepherd taking the flock, putting them in a safety pen, leaving, going and having a meal, but there's someone there watching the sheep. And that person knows when the shepherd comes back, this is the proper owner of the sheep. And so he can turn them over. And that's what we see here, that Jesus leads us because he is the rightful owner. Our creator has also purchased us with his blood. That's how much we're loved by God. We are led as if we were Jesus's own sheep. Jesus is speaking to each of us directly about our lives, our decisions, our our troubles. Our God speaks to us about this. And as sheep, we need to learn to discern the voice of God. And we do that by saturating ourselves in the scriptures. As we hear story after story about Jesus and how his father handled things in the Old Testament and throughout, we learn the character of God and we begin to think, okay, this this is the Lord leading. The direction that I'm feeling I should go is, is in alignment to the God that I know in the scriptures. As we talk to God more in prayer, we begin to discern his voice more, separate it from our own thoughts and emotions. No, this is the voice of Jesus. I could see Jesus leading me like this. But notice how he leads us. It says, he goes on ahead of them. He goes first and the sheep follow. And so, yes, the shepherd's going to lead us to nice pastures and still waters, but also through persecution. We're going to go through difficult times in life, but Jesus went first. Jesus came and died on the cross first. He's not saying, I will protect myself from suffering and make you go through a difficult time. No, he knows. And so when he leads us through a difficult time, he's aware of our pain. We need a guide in life when we're confused. But believe it or not, my entire family, even my little five-year-old, we've all been to Moscow together. We were, it was kind of wild how it happened, but I was asked to speak at a Bible college in Hungary three or four years ago. And we thought, well, let's do a layover in Moscow, just so we can say we went to Moscow and things seem kind of bad with Russia. So maybe this will be our last chance. Well, that was prophetic. My goodness. And so we, we got on a plane, got our visas. We got out of the airport, got on a train that we thought was heading towards Moscow. And then we realized we have no idea where we're heading. There's not a single English sign in the city of Moscow. They do not want tourists there, it seems like. And so we're realizing we have no idea which stop to get off of. The map doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. We must have looked a little flustered because eventually these two Americans came over and said, we're going to help you. We're like, oh, good. We have no idea. 
They ended up exiting early before their stop, walking with us down the stairs, up the stairs, getting on another train with us, guiding us, and then saying, okay, that's, that's where you want to get out. They paid for our fares because we didn't even know how to pay for the subway fares. And then they backtracked and went where they were going. They were a gift from God. We needed that kind of guidance in our life. Now, we had an amazing dinner. We had borscht soup. They make soup out of beets in Russia for some reason, but they tasted really good, had a good breakfast, and then headed on on our journey. As sheep, we need to learn to discern the shepherd's voice. How is he leading us? How is he guiding us? How is he trying to help us? And in verse 11, we see another characteristic of the good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The picture here is of, of someone who's, you know, underpaid to do the job. And he's like, I'm not dying for these sheep. So if they see a lion or a bear or a wolf, they are taking off and saying, sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I'm not paid enough to do this. Jesus says, that's not me. I will lay down my life for the sheep. We see here that Jesus cares for us. That's why we should follow him. He cares for us. He's going to lead us, but he does that in a way where he shows his great care. I think of King David when we hear a situation like this of the, the flock being under attack. King David said it like this to um, Saul when he was describing being a shepherd. He says, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. This is ridiculously impressive, right? That David is saying, I'm not worried about Goliath. When a lion or a bear would grab one of my sheep, can you imagine being in the mouth of a lion as a sheep running away thinking, well, I guess it's all over. And David comes and kills the lion as it's fleeing away and battles this animal to save the sheep. That's what a good shepherd's gonna do. Jesus saw us in a similar situation to David's sheep. The serpent had whispered lies to us about sin's satisfaction, and we believed it. We became trapped in our sin. But Jesus, seeing us in that condition, came to deliver us and to rescue us. But unlike David, it cost him his life. As he crushed the head of the serpent on the cross and we were freed from sin, our good shepherd delivered us. No wonder, Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He laid down his life for us, right? His great love for us has been shown. And so we need to let him care for us. And so it's not a once and for all thing when you come to Christ at the cross, right? We get caught up in the snares of sin. We get trapped in sin. And we need to let Jesus save us again by repenting of our sin and saying, Lord, I'm stuck. Lord, I'm in this destructive habit. Lord, I'm about to make a bad decision. And he will continue to show his care by saving us. Now, this is a shepherd who is very aware of who is in the flock. Look at verse 14. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He says, I, I know you. Jesus knows us and still loves us. That's the wild thing knows everything about us. Well, what if, what if Jesus doesn't like me? Well, he, he knows everything about us. How often do we pretend to be someone else because we're worried about rejection 
And so we kind of play to the moment. What do people expect in that moment? Do they want me to be, be funny or to agree with their, their viewpoint or whatever it is? And we're always worried about being rejected for who we really are. But think of Jesus with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. This is a woman who is trying to find satisfaction and identity in a relationship with a man. And she was on her sixth man at this point. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that she had had five previous husbands and the person she was living with now wasn't her husband. And he speaks to her, but he does it in a way that shows that he loves her despite her sin. She ends up going and, and reaching the whole town saying, come and meet a man who told me everything about myself. Could this be the Messiah? Instead of judging, he showed that he knew her and he loved her and he wanted to transform her. Jesus knows us. Imagine if, imagine if he just always reminded us of our sin. I think of the psalmist in Psalm 130 that says this, if you kept a record of sins, who could stand? But you're a God of forgiveness. God, God does the opposite of keep a record of sins. We're told that when we repent of our sins, he takes our sins and he casts them as far as the east is from the west. He takes our sin and he buries them in the depth of the sea. And the Israelites were not a seafaring kind of a nation, right? So they were, they were afraid of the sea. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to put your sin so far away from you, you won't even go get it yourself. We are known and still loved by God. God forbid there was a record kept. Can you imagine if we had to keep our own record and declare before we started friendships? Oh, these are the 10 worst things I've ever done. Yeah, I'm a pretty bad person. Here's what I've None of us would have any friends. But God forgives in a way where it's almost like he's pushing it aside. Say, no, don't think about that. You've been forgiven. And he's proven that forgiveness. We don't have to worry, yeah, but did I cross the line too much this time? Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So at our very worst moment, Jesus said, no, I'm still going to die for them. My, sin, my, my salvation will still cover this mistake that they're making. So we, we need to open up get to know who God is, cast our cares upon him. He already knows us and he loves us. He's safe for us to talk to. And he's doing something with us. He's not just leaving us alone. Look at verse, verse 16 here. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. That's us. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus unites us together. He, he's trying to tell the Pharisees, it's not just about the Jewish people. I'm reaching out to the Gentiles as well. And I'm creating one new church that is diverse. It's going to be very different for the Jewish people to all of a sudden have all these former pagan Gentiles come into the church and say, well, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that, and that he's God. It's going to be different. Right? But he brings us together in Galatians. It says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There's nor is there male nor female. They're all one in Christ Jesus. In a time in our country where there's great division politically, racially, medically, family. I, I yearn for the times when it was just sports divisions, when we hated each other. Well, I, I must hate you because you're from Boston and I'm from New York. So I was born to hate you. Like those were the good old days, right? But no, it's everything. We divide over everything and families are being split. Jesus is uniting his church together. Jesus is saying, hey, my plan involves diversity. It's a part of God's beautiful plan. It's part of the fullness of life that we can experience. And so we need to be a part of bringing other people into the church and, and having peace with them. It's going to be quite a witness to a divided world 
if we can make peace with one another because the blood of Jesus is enough common ground for us. So Jesus unites us together, and we see the character of the good shepherd in this next verse, verse 17. It says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it for me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth. And what does he do? He doesn't go to the bank and make a withdrawal with all of his power and authority. He uses his power to lay down his life as a servant, a suffering savior. He uses all of his authority for us. That teaches me that Jesus is trustworthy. We can, if you can trust someone with all authority and power and they use it for your best interest, I'm gonna keep trusting them. If this is Jesus, that he, he uses his power to die because that's the only way I could be saved, then I need to stop fighting him when I read something in the word and I realize my life's out of alignment with the gospel. No, I need to trust Jesus and follow what he says in the scriptures. Trust is so important. I mentioned a few weeks ago that my family and I, we went on, um, we pulled the kids out of school right before summer vacation, and we went on vacation. I was graduating from seminary, and we went to like six or seven different states around that area and just had a blast. What I didn't tell you about because it was still too raw at the time was the first day. The first day, we missed our flight. It was totally our fault. I don't, we were literally 10 minutes from LAX, and then we thought, we didn't even check the status of the plane. Well, it turns out two months earlier, they had changed the flight to two hours earlier, and our plane was already taking off. And we have no idea where that email ever went. But they blame us. They said it was our fault. And so they had to reroute us to a different state. We had to pay for Ubers and new you know, hotels and sleep for four or five hours to get up at four in the morning to then get a new flight to get to Chicago. And we were exhausted that first Saturday that we were traveling. So that's why you have to be forgiving with me when I tell you what I did after this. I was exhausted. We were exhausted. No, it just showed who I was and how God needed to work on me. But that night in the hotel, we discovered that one of our children, I'm going to keep that child anonymous, one of our children had an infected splinter. A few days earlier, we had begged them to let us deal with it. Now we're about to start a seven-day walking trip with an infected splinter. And so we're pleading and pleading, just trust us, trust us. We just want to get it out. You're going to be okay. And they're screaming so loud that Shannon and I get so frustrated. This is hours before Mother's Day, by the way. So frustrated that we start kind of venting and being in our flesh. And we're like, the police are going to come take you away because you're screaming so loud. You'll probably be with another family and never see us again. And we're like, oh, gosh, right before Mother's Day. Finally, we had to grab the child, he or her and hold it down, literally 10 seconds later, done. Simplest thing it could ever have happened. Got it out, all of it's out, but everyone's going to bed crying. The other two kids are just in bed saying, well, we love you though, but we love you. We're good kids, right, you know? And just like terrified, like what just happened? And we, we wake up on Mother's Day and we're just like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was rough, it was rough. And yes, Shannon and I should have reacted more patient in the spirit, and we're learning that lesson, and we had to band together as a family after that, but I just wanted to be trusted. I just wanted to be trusted. I, I want to help you with a, a simple medical thing that's going to hurt. Just trust me. I swear, sometimes my kids think that I use all of my power and ability for myself. They're like, we know what you do when we go to bed. You watch TV and eat ice cream. Okay, that was one time a week, right? One or two times a week if there's mint chocolate chip ice cream in the fridge, and 
But they honestly, if, if you had to ask them, they'd be like, oh, yeah, dad just, dad uses all of his money and power for himself, right? No, if you knew how much we thought about you and cared about you and, and organized our life to bless you and, and try and minister to you just to be trusted. And the Lord whispered to Shannon and I saying, you know, I'd, I'd also like to be trusted by you two, you know. And I'm like, oh, not now, Lord. It's almost Mother's Day, you know. Come on, give me. If I would just trust the Lord instead of fighting him sometimes when things are difficult or his, his word is sacrificial and just trust him, he's trustworthy. And finally, perhaps the greatest reason to follow after Jesus, verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Jesus gives eternal life. Following the good shepherd has consequences after this life. You have your God who knows you and loves you lead you through this life and then beyond. He will give us salvation. As we repent of our sins and put our faith alone in Jesus, we are saved and our salvation is protected, we see, according to the scriptures. We're adopted into God's family and our Father is going to protect us. You heard uh, our missions pastor, Mark, mention that there was a, a picnic in the park where, with adults with special needs, and we had the privilege of, of serving that community. It was great. At one point, Shannon left, and uh, she went to go get tacos for all the servants to, to bless them. So she you got the kids, right? I'm like, I got the kids. I'm the dad. This is easy. We're at a park, right? So finally, I told Abigail, hey, can you go to the car and bring this over there? And Titus, can you go put your water bottle in the car? Just follow your sister. It's right there on the grass. It couldn't be closer, right? So I turn around, and I might have misplaced Titus for a few minutes and couldn't find him for five, ten minutes at all. It was terrifying. Oh, my goodness. I looked all over the field. He wasn't there. So now I have to look at this big parking lot. Turns out when he heard me say go to the car, which was right there, he, he was thinking about his mother's car that was parked on the other side of the parking lot. Yeah, Titus, I'm asking you to walk through the parking lot by yourself to go to your mother's car. And so I found him in the parking lot in between cars thinking, oh, my goodness. And I, I, people have been telling me I should probably tell Shannon uh, about this. But listen, I, I, I almost got to full panic mode, but I kind of kept it under there so I wouldn't look super nerdy, you know, but I, I kept it under. But it was a scary few moments. Listen, God doesn't do that to you. You are safe in his hands. Jesus said, you're safe in my hand. And he says, you're also safe in my father's hand. No one can snatch you out. We're actually triple protected because when we are saved, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so each member of the Trinity is there to give us assurance of salvation that we are God's children. He will give us eternal life. He will see us through because he is a good shepherd. And so we can rest in that security. We can rest in that God is going to continue to do a work in our lives. And each day we're presented with different shepherds to follow. Right? We, we have those that are trying to influence us. And we have to be honest with ourselves. If, if we're watching six hours of the news during the day and we're kind of skipping our Bible reading, who's really shepherding us? Is God shepherding us or is it the six hours of the... Is that, well, you watch that much news, you're going to have anxiety, anger. You're going to be judgmental. You're going to be fearful. You're going to think everyone's out to get you and ruin you or at least your viewpoint. It's going to mold you. It's going to shape you. Or maybe it's six hours on social media with different influencers or on YouTube. Or, or Our worldviews are crafted by the greatest inputs that we have in our lives. Let's learn 
to follow the shepherd by knowing his voice, by saturating ourselves in the scriptures, becoming prayerful people, knowing God wants to lead me, but that might mean that I have to flee some of these bad shepherds, get those things under control, get it from six hours down to 30 minutes of the news or, or social media, right? We've got to limit these things because they're shepherding, shepherding us in a direction. The shepherd's plan for us is much better than the serpent's plan. God has a plan for our lives, but part of that plan is us repenting and running from the things that are influencing us away from Christ so that we can have that abundant life with Christ. And so much easier to say than do, so let me pray for us. Father, as we look at our lives, if we have any uh, addictive moments or obsessions where we have uh, certain screens out of, out of control and owning us a bit, we just repent of that and ask that you'd give us a healthy balance, a proper balance, that we would seek you first before anything else, that we could say we are following the good shepherd. Lord, I know that you are powerful and you use your power for us. And so I trust that you're going to be a good shepherd to each person in this room. Don't allow anyone in this room to believe the lies of the enemy, that they've crossed too many lines, they've made too many mistakes, that they are unloved by you, Lord. You know us, and yet you love us, and you want to transform us, and that's where you invite us into that partnership. And so we pray you do that work in our lives. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll be back here next week for John chapter 11. I'll think of you with each taco I eat this week.